Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Jokic behind his back. What a taste like, Jokic. sitter. Wow. Uh, as long as they're fans on this is one, that's all I care about. So the Warrior fans can come in here, the Celtic fans can come in here, Laker fans can come in here. But so take that L on the way out. Jokic. Gentlemen, to the Pickaxe Podcast. It is Zach Mikosh with DenverStiffs.com. Mr. Gordon Gross is off once again this week. We were both off last week. Me and Gordon took a break, um, but we are back. We do, of course. It was it was a week when a lot of a lot of stuff actually happened. Um, that we took a break, but we are happy to be back, or at least I am happy to be back. Um, and like I said, we should have Gordon back with us next week as well. We're not going anywhere too far for you from you guys. We'll never do that. So let's go ahead and let's get on with the show. Let's bust into what was a big week of Nuggets games and news, um, as well as we've got, I think, three games on the docket this week as well. So without further delay, it has been obviously a bit of an up and down week um, for Denver. It started poorly. If you think we go all the way back to the Eastern Conference road trip where they dropped that game against Brooklyn, I believe that was Sunday, last Sunday they dropped the game against Brooklyn. Uh, they come home. They've been at home now for a couple of games, got, uh, got a win against the Warriors in what was probably their uh, probably their best game that I would say they've played so far this season, and then they followed up yesterday with the loss to the Utah Jazz. Uh, sort of, sort of the way uh, the way the year has gone for the Denver Nuggets. They've they've not been consistent to say the least, uh, and this week was no different. So we will break into all that, and then of course we had a huge trade over the week. James Harden is traded from the Houston Rockets to the Brooklyn Nets the day after the Nuggets actually played the Nets. Uh, which is funny because Karis LeVert did a bit of bit of a number on them, and then he <laughs> they wouldn't have had to play him if it had been one day later. Um, but that trade goes down. I'll give you guys my thoughts on the James Harden trade and and sort of how it affects uh, the Denver Nuggets. And then the second half of the show, of course, we'll spend our time looking for three games on the docket. Like I said, Nuggets will get the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, at home here. Upcoming, I think that game is tomorrow on Tuesday. And then they've got the Phoenix Suns back to back, two games in Phoenix. One of those sort of things we're seeing this year with uh, COVID. Teams tend to play the same team in the same city. Uh, for multiple games in a row, that'll happen for the Nuggets here as they play the Phoenix Suns for two games um, down there in the desert. So we will obviously spend a little time previewing Phoenix and talking about how they're doing this season. It's been a bit. We've seen we saw Phoenix earlier this year, but um, it's been a couple weeks at least since we've seen them. So we'll talk about Phoenix as well. And that is going to be the show. Um, so let's 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 go all the way back if you can. I want to talk about that Eastern Conference road trip just real quick uh, because it was it was a while back, but since we missed it, uh, you know, I think the main thing to to take into consideration there was that the uh, the Nuggets kind of got lucky. 
in a, in a lot of ways. They gosh, who did they play on the? They played. That's right. They played Philadelphia, sort of on the forefront of that thing. Um, and Philly, if you'll remember, was going through a lot of COVID complications. There was a lot of questions about whether or not they're going to even play that game against Philadelphia. They do get it done, but Embiid doesn't play. Simmons doesn't play. It's basically just. The, the back end of, of the 76ers roster that, that goes out there and, and plays that game against Denver. Denver wins. They let Tyrese Maxey score a crap ton of points. But in the end, uh, they still get they still get the win because they've, they're playing with an actually NBA roster, not a G League roster. And that's uh, that was that was definitely certainly lucky for them because Philadelphia, one of the best teams um, in the NBA, at least for standings right now. And so that was uh, sort of a, a bullet dodge there, if you will. They come back, the, the, they beat the New York Knicks uh, on the back-to-back, which is which is pretty impressive because the Knicks have been a, been a solid team. I mean, I wouldn't know he's going to confuse the Knicks as being like, you know, a, a finals contender or or anything like that, but they they're a team that looks like right now they might they might compete for a playoff spot. Certainly, with there being ten playoff spots this season, and you know, and they and they were about five hundred, so it was a good solid uh, team. We've been playing well. I'm not. You're probably thinking like me, like I don't know that I'm necessarily convinced that the Knicks roster is a. Uh, is that good? I mean, Julius Randle, I think, is 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 underrated. Julius Randle, it seems like he goes every single year, right? He goes from either being underrated or overrated. It just it just depends. Last year he was overrated because the Knicks gave him some absurd contract, and now he seems this year like he's living up to the contract. But everybody thinks he's overrated, so he's actually underrated. Uh, when he was drafted, he was overrated. Then he was actually, I remember, um, he was quite underrated after he played. He played pretty well in L.A. Uh, for the Lakers, and then I, guess, I don't even remember where they traded him to. Uh, I don't think it was New York. I feel like there was a team in between New York and uh, Los Angeles. But I, anyways, I'm getting off the thing uh, topic here, really. But, you know, like I said, the Knicks were, were were a decent team, and I thought the Nuggets, you know, they played that game well, got that win. And, and, and really, so you're looking at, once again, you're like, you're feeling good, you're feeling confident, and you're up. Uh, what double digits on the the Nets? I think in the third quarter, and then you blow it and you lose that game, and suddenly you're back in the dumps again. Um, feeling the way you kind of feel probably this morning, and in it that again, I mean that's just been the theme of this team the entire year, and it was the thing we just saw it right there just in that in that uh, road trip. You get lucky because some weird COVID stuff happens. You take care of business when you're supposed to take care of business. You play up against a team that's. Uh, pretty solid talent wise, pretty close to you in terms of talent, and and you play very well against them, and you're looking like you're every bit the 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 team that was in the Western Conference Finals last season, uh, and then you don't play a complete game and you blow it, and suddenly you drop a game you should have won like that. That has just been the story of the year, I think, so far for the Denver Nuggets, and I thought that road trip, uh, that East Conference road trip was was a great little snapshot of what's been going on this year. So Nuggets obviously got home after that loss. It was not, um, no, like I said, not feeling too great, I think, in terms of where they were at as a team, but still understanding it's early in the season. They get home, right? They get the, uh, they get back into the friendly confines of ball arena and they get that game against the Nets, and or not the Nets, sorry, the Warriors against the Golden State Warriors on national television. Uh, that was what Thursday night, and you really feel, you know, I think you really feel good if you're the, um, if you're the Denver Nuggets about the way you played against Golden State. Now, yes, Golden State has been a team who's uh, obviously not at full strength with Clay Thompson being out for the season with the. Uh, 
with the Achilles injury, but you know, a team that still has Steph Curry, a team that has still has Draymond Green, a team that's got the number two overall pick in James Wiseman, who looks pretty strong, a team who's got, you know, uh, an up and down guy, but when he's up is really good in, in a guy like Andrew Wiggins. Like there's a lot of talent still on that roster and there's, there are a 500 team just like the Nuggets. Um, so it's not like it was just some the pushover warriors of last season, right? And and Denver really played that game, uh, I thought, better than they've played any game so far this season in the fact that they were one hundred percent playing a complete game. They got ahead early there in the four or in the first quarter. They uh, I think, you know, Steph had hit a couple shots real early on to kind of give Golden State a quick, you know, maybe five point lead, but then after that it was it was all uh it was pretty much all nuggets all the time. So that's a that's a uh, a game that I think if you're going to point to as Coach Malone is like, hey, this is the way we need to be uh, if we expect to win basketball games this season. That's probably the one that I'm I, I'm really pointing to because it was uh, like I said, it was a complete game. You held the Warriors uh, to what 104 points, which has got to be one of the lowest output scoring outputs uh, against the team or that the Nuggets have held any team. This season, I'm trying to think of who they've held uh, less than 104 this year, and you got to go. You got to go back to that Knicks game, I guess, because the Knicks didn't score points at all. But, um, but that's and the yeah, so it would be the Knicks and the Sixers. But really, other than that, then you're going all the way back to. I think that's it. Yeah, that, that's it. So the, those are the only two game times they've held the team under um, 105. Other than the Warriors, would be those uh, the weird game against the Sixers, and then the Knicks, who just got awful in that that game. But. You know, that's that's really where you hang your head. Like, yes, Steph, um, not hang your head, hang your hat. But that yes, Steph had a really good, uh, really good game. And he he was, uh, I mean, amazing. He looked like one of the best players in the NBA, as he is. But you didn't you, you you played strong defense against everyone else. You didn't really let anybody um, really hurt you. I'm trying to think of another guy from that game who stood out other than Steph on the Warriors, and I don't really think there was. And you know, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking at the the box score, and yeah, I mean, you actually ended up having four four starters on Golden State in double figures with Wiggins, Wiseman, and and, and Ubre along with Steph. But you know, none of those guys really really hurt you. Uh, when it counted, I mean, Ubre again is. I mean, that guy struggled shooting all season. He continued to struggle shooting against the Nuggets. He had some nice defensive plays, sure, but um, he really was working to get his 14 points. And Wiggins, the same kind of same story. I mean, Wiseman I thought played well, uh, but but he wasn't. You know, he's not a guy that's obviously going to get featured a ton as a rookie. So it wasn't like he was. Um, killing Denver from an offensive standpoint and the, and the bench did nothing for for Golden State. So you had you had uh when your bench really came out and played well, which is uh which is a huge part of what Denver needs to be, but not only did you get so not only did you get that full game from your roster from your guys 1 through 10, but you also got it from minute 1 to minute 48, which we just we I I can't think of another game I can say that about this season. They the there was absolutely um been in every ga- other game I can think of, even in the wins, there's absolutely been like a quarter uh, that they didn't take care of, or like a role player that they leg off, or something like that. Whereas this game, I mean, they they played they played really strongly. So it's it's the game. I think if like I said, if if I'm coach, it's probably the one I'm pointing to 
more than any other. And, and think about this too. They, they did that without Gary Harris in that game as well. So that's the game I'm pointing to as the sort of uh, poster boy, if you will, of this is the way we should be playing. This is, this is what we are capable of. This is what we need to do. Uh, and then, of course, they followed up yesterday with the loss to the Utah Jazz. Another disappointing game. Maybe not as disappointing as some of their other losses that they've had. I think of uh, that Nets game. I think of the Dallas Mavericks game from a couple weeks back. Like Those ones, to me, stand out as the most disappointing because you had those teams. You had, a, a, you know, I think, all the way back to the opening night against Sacramento Kings. Um, you had those teams. You, were, you had a big lead in the second half, and you squandered it. And you lost. Uh, it was not really the case with with Utah in, in that game. That was pretty much back and forth the entire time. If the Nuggets did maybe get one shot, it was early in uh, the second half. They 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 got a lead right before halftime, uh, and then kind of expanded on it a little bit early in the second half. And then they just they just went dead uh, mid third quarter. And, and it seems like they they went like a good uh, maybe maybe three, four minutes without a bucket. And that, that really gave Utah the opportunity to get back in the game. And then later in the end of the third quarter is when Utah uh, took the lead. And I think they pretty much, there might've been one point where it's tied in the fourth, but Utah pretty much led, uh, led throughout in the, in the fourth quarter and ultimately gets the win. One Oh nine, one Oh five. The big things that I know, I think when I look at this Utah game that really, uh, really stuck out to me. First off was obviously the big one that, that I think everybody knows. Jamal Murray kind of disappears in the second half, right? He scores, what, 24 points in the first half and is looking every bit like the Jamal Murray against the Utah Jazz in the playoffs in the bubble uh, and then just sort of disappears. I don't know what he ends up with in the second half, but it couldn't have been much, right? Yeah, so he ends up getting six points in the second half. Uh, really struggled shooting the ball, and and that was a big part. Every It seemed like every time there was an opportunity to maybe stop a Utah run, it was you were hoping on a Jamal three or, or Jamal to hit a basket because Jokic was on the uh, on the bench. And, and they just didn't. They, it just didn't fall for him. And it, it's it's one of those things that that, that Jamal continues to work on is, is consistency. Because I think I, this is something I feel like we've seen a lot uh, in games before too. Is Jamal will get, you know, he'll score quite a few points there in the first half, or maybe it's in the second half. You know, he'll have these huge spurts, like just like he did in this game, where he'll score a ton of points. And you think, man, he's on his way to a fifty point game, and then he just kind of disappears for portions of the game after that. So that's you no. Know, we've talked a lot about how Jamal's got to work on his consistency over a season, getting off to better starts, things like that. He's also got to work better on being more consistent uh, throughout an entire 48 minutes, which is a theme for this entire team. Don't get me wrong. Like, it's not just Jamal. This this entire team, as we've, we've stated, this entire team needs to work really hard on working or on playing a full 48. But Jamal is definitely not um, free from that. He has certainly had his issues as well. And so this team is going to have to get more out of him in, in such scenarios like this, because when they, when they can't, uh, when they can't find scoring outside of Jokic and Murray, then they can't really afford for to have Murray just drop off for a quarter and a half. Like he did in this game. It's also in my eyes. I mean, it's, it should be quite notable. Like I'm not a huge plus minus guy, but when there's like one guy who sticks out, like, 
in this case, nine points ahead of anybody else on plus minus. Um, that to me some tells tells you something. And, and in this case, it's Mike Connolly. Everybody else in on that Jazz roster, most of them are minuses. Um, but they made their run when when Connolly was on the floor, and particularly when he was working with Gobert. Um, and everybody else on this Jazz team, I mean, Gobert is plus eight. George's Niang plus eight. Uh, Oni plus seven. Mike Conley is plus 17. Like there, there, there's a reason that he's plus 10 points, plus nine to 10 points higher than everybody else on his team is because he was, he was a huge catalyst um, for the win. And, and it, it didn't necessarily happen with his offense. He didn't shoot the ball all that well, but it happened with his ability to set up other guys and it happened with his ability to defend Jamal Murray to finally get Murray in check in that second half when they made their run. So it's, it's disappointing to see that from Murray. I mean, obviously you love, you know, you try not to knock too much. The guy scores 30 points. He actually didn't shoot that bad from three, uh, struggled from the field in general. But I mean, four from 11 from three, it's it's not great, but it's not terrible either. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, anytime a guy scores 30 points, you got to be pretty happy with that. But they when he scores 24 in the first half, uh, and then just disappears for a huge swath of the second half. That doesn't work for your team. And, and at least in this case, it didn't work because the Nuggets, I don't know if I've seen a game this season where the Nuggets got just absolutely nothing from anything from anybody outside of uh, Jokic and Murray. There's they, Nobody else even scored in double, double figures. I mean, uh, only Gary Harris and P.J. Dozier even scored above uh, – well, I guess Morris got seven. So those three guys, Harris, Dozier, and Morris, were the only guys who scored above five points. You know, you got four points from Paul Millsap, two points from Will Barton. Uh, you, got, you got five points from Jermichael Green. You got five points from Facundo Campasso. There, there was simply no support whatsoever on the offensive end for this Nuggets team. And in a lot of people, here's the thing, a lot of people are going to want to harp on the defense because um, the Nuggets defense has been bad. It's just, there's, there's not, you know, you can't really argue around that. They've not been um, a good defensive team. Now, you, you hold Utah to 109 points. Uh, that's... Not the worst thing in the world. I mean, Utah is not – they're by no means a huge uh, scoring team in the NBA. But 109 is, is you know, right around where Utah has landed this season. We might even be a little bit under. And generally, when Utah has scored 109 or less this season, they've lost. And it's when they get more than that, you know, when they, they creep in the 110, that's when they win. So you can't – I don't think you can knock the defense too much – uh, too much this time on on the Nuggets. Now there were there were a couple of, uh, I think the Nuggets, uh, and I think we're going to see this, and we should should have known this was going to be a scenario this season. The Nuggets struggled in this game to stop Donovan Mitchell in the second half when it was clear that Donovan Mitchell was trying to take over the game and win it. Uh, they didn't have a guy to throw at him, and this is this is something that that you just that we have to understand is just. Um, sort of where the Nuggets are at right now because, listen, Gary Harris, we guys, Gary Harris is not going to stop elite guards or wings. He's not. Like, if you think that Gary Harris is this defensive stopper that the Nuggets can throw at a guy like Donovan Mitchell and that's just going to solve that problem, like, I don't know what season you've been watching because they've tried that. They've tried throwing that at Donovan Mitchell, at Devin Booker, at Luka Doncic, at Paul George, at Buddy Heald. 
he hasn't stopped anybody. Like he he's 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 a good defender. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's a bad defender. He's a good defender. He's not a defensive stopper who we can just be like, well, yeah, this this team's got an elite wing player, but it's okay. We've got Gary Harris, so that 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 shouldn't be an issue. Like now, and and I think you could see it pretty plainly last night when the fact that Donovan Mitchell, um, who did not score very much in the first half, but the but when he came into the second half and made a point to be a scorer, Gary Harris wasn't stopping him. And that's that's just that's just how it's gonna go. So when you lose um Jeremy Grant and Tory Craig and when you have Gary Harris take a step back on defense the way he has, like this is this is just the way it's gonna be. You don't you don't have anybody who can stop guys from scoring on the perimeter. It's just not the way your team is built right now. Jermichael Green was your Jeremy Grant replacement. He's just not quick enough. I mean, he's not quick enough to put on a guy like Donovan Mitchell. He's he's Michael Green's been awesome so far this year, but he's not the type of guy who's going to um, do what Jeremy Grant did for you in terms of defensively covering wings. That's just not this is just not where he's at physically. So you don't have a Tory Craig, which you know I think Tory another guy you're not gonna you're not gonna stop elite. Um, wings but but another guy that you could throw at guys and really make them work the full 48 because here's the thing right now is, is so even if you if you want to say yeah no i i disagree exactly think gary harris is that type of stuff when you pull him off the court you know you're bringing out you're either bringing out pj dozier who's been kind of up and down i think defensively this season or you're you're going with uh this four guard four guard lineup which i'll get to in just a second and and you've got like a guy like facundo Campazzo out there scrappy you know hustles um uh, He's five foot eight. Like I don't care what his thing says. He's five foot eight, and like he, he can't. He has not learned how to defend effectively in the NBA yet because he's used to the Euro League where you can body guys up and when you can get a little bit more aggressive and you can you can do things uh, with your hustle that will work because the speed of the game is not quite as fast uh, whereas you know like uh, how hard com- composite hustles uh, work will work in the Euro League because and it might get him a, a steal or a loose ball where in this case it's going to get him a foul because he's one step behind now because that guy in the NBA is one step faster and so he ends up it ends up being a, co- a collision you know, he ends up running into a dude chasing after a loose ball instead of getting to the loose ball first um and he ends up getting called for a foul boy we saw that last night right i mean uh Campazzo, what he he had with five fouls and he couldn't have played more than you know 20 minutes so he played 11 minutes <laughs> five fouls in 11 minutes for facundo Campazzo. we love you we love you um but yeah, I mean that's what I'm saying. You don't have, you don't have the defenders anymore. You don't have. I, I, it happens up with the bigs as well, which we're seeing. I mean Isaiah Hartenstein is a good, good basketball player. I think he's he's been really good for for the 1.6 million or whatever you're paying him. But uh, he's not better than Mason Plumley. Uh, I'll come out and say he's not a better player uh, than Mason Plumley, particularly on the defensive end. Um, and particularly on the boards, and that has, I would say, certainly shown itself this year. And you can see it in Malone's trust in Hartenstein because a game like last night, Isaiah Hartenstein plays three minutes, and Malone in the fourth quarter, in the first minutes of the fourth, fourth quarter, elects to go with a four-guard lineup and play Jamichael Green at center, even though Rudy Gobert is on the floor. Um 
that is the run that killed the Nuggets, I think, that ultimately ended up being their their undoing in the game was the the beginning of the fourth quarter where it was Green, Murray, Dozier, Morris, and Compazzo. That is a lineup that I wish Malone... Listen, I know everybody just says the four-guard lineup, which I, I disagree. I think there's times that the four-guard lineup uh, works quite well, and it's usually when uh, Nikola Jokic is the fifth guy in that group. That's when they, they tend to have success, and we have seen that. It's when they put Jermichael Green out there at center that they just they just struggle, particularly in a scenario like this where, um, you know, Murray was struggling. And the whole idea with Jokic-Murray-Stagger is that, hey, if Jokic is off the court, we can give the ball to Murray and Murray can run the offense in, you know, and, and, and can, can carry us through. With him struggling, now you're looking to guys like Campazzo or Dozier or, you know, uh, Green to be to be scorers, to be playmakers. And that's uh, – they can't do both, right? So Campazzo is, is a pretty – decent playmaker but you can tell he's still kind of gel with this team like he hasn't really figured out the best way to set these guys up so without him um being there yet you know he's sort of like a spot shooter well but he's he's too short to just shoot over somebody so you're gonna have to set him up um if you want to get him uh, uh some sort of set shot or something like that uh pj dozier again another guy who's got you know he's got some decent dribble moves he he can he can play make in a pinch but he's not a guy you want playmaking for you and being like you're the, the running your offense for you so th- I I don't know, and I don't know if putting in Hartenstein instead of you know maybe instead of Composo because he was the guy who was really struggling last night and playing a little bit bigger would have helped. I, I tend to think somewhat because they really it felt like Rudy Gobert was really um, giving him everything they could handle, particularly on the boards during that stretch. Uh, but what I just know is like like it just doesn't work. And I you know I've harped on I've harped on Malone about like hey let's dictate let's dictate to the other team what we're going to do instead of just matching their lineups right. And in in somewhat it seems like that's what he was trying to do against Utah. But like follow up, let's not dictate a four guard lineup with Michael Green at center like. That's not what I mean. Um, I, I meant like play more bowl bowl and, and use your, your ridiculous length uh, to force teams to try and figure that out. Not force teams to try and figure out how they're going to guard PJ Dozier, the power forward. That's, that's not the type of dictation we need. So um, yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see, I think what, where, where Malone and, and, and the team go um, from here, particularly when they get Michael Porter Jr. back whether or not they stick to that four-guard lineup. I tend to think they don't. I tend to think you you see less Compasso. Uh, you get more Dozier sliding down now to the small forward, and you'll see – you might see still see some lineups with Jermichael Green or Paul Millsap at center, uh, but at least you'll have Michael Porter Jr. there as, as your power forward uh, who can help you particularly on the boards, which is, as we know, uh, one of his specialties and something that the Nuggets get killed on right now. Uh, with this this four guard plus green lineup, so hopefully hopefully we're about to see the end of it. I don't know. I I mean my only thoughts are is that Malone just really doesn't trust Hartenstein right now, and and it doesn't feel comfortable playing him out there. Um, because I don't know otherwise what really what, why we keep going to it. To be honest with you, I I I get that four guard lineup in in pinches to be sort of a to mix things up, um, in 
in games when you've got Jokic as the as the fifth guy. Like I, I could see that being a, a a wrinkle that teams would struggle with in some spot minutes. I don't think anybody's struggling with this four guards plus green lineup. I think it just serves to lose a crap ton of points for the Nuggets. So hopefully he goes away with it because again I feel like really uh, while there were a lot of things that went wrong last night, that game or or that that four minute stretch of the game where they they played that lineup in the start of the fourth quarter was really in my eyes kind of where things got away from up there um all right tell you what let's go i think we've done a good job wrapping up what has happened the up and down week that was so let's go ahead and hit the break and then we come back uh only two teams preview because then i guess we'll play the suns twice uh this upcoming week but we will preview both the thunder and the suns and then we'll get out of here so stick with us and we'll be right back all been there when the budget's the tightest or a time is the shortest that's when disaster strikes the last thing anyone wants to deal with in these times is an electrical issue in their home or business maybe your light suddenly won't turn on or maybe a home inspector wants that electrical service changed before you can close out on a property you're selling heck maybe it's not even an emergency at all and you're just looking to finish out your basement or get some power ran to that new ac unit whatever your need may be Give Sun Electrical a call. They're a family-owned and operated business that serves the front range, and you can be assured that you'll not only get the highest quality service, but you'll also get the most affordable price as well. Mike, the owner of Sun Electrical, will come to your home or business personally to evaluate your situation and provide a free estimate. And he stands by the work Sun performs as a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor. So give him a call, 719-659-6888. Don't be fooled by the phone number as they'll serve the entire front range from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins and everywhere in between. That's 719-659-6888. 719-659-6888. Sun Electrical, the home of truly affordable electrical work. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back into the Pickaxe Podcast. It is Zach Mikosh with DenverStiffs.com. Gordon Gross is on break this week. He will be back next week. We spent our first week, our first half of the show talking about the week that was. It's my tongue twister here. Uh, and the Nuggets up and down ride that has really been the entire season. So let's go now we'll look forward. Oh, you know what? You know what I forgot to do there in the first half of the show? So I'll, I'll touch on it here real quick. We'll look back real quick for one more thing because I did forget to talk about uh, the James Harden trade, which of course happened this past week. Harden goes to the Nets and what was it? A, I think it was a four-team deal. Harden to the Nets, uh, Oladipo to the Pacers. No, Oladipo from the Pacers to the Rockets. Karis Levert goes to the Pacers. Um, 
And I don't think there's uh, what is the Rockets Pacers? Maybe it was a three team trade. What am I missing here? Rockets Pacers Nets. Uh, this is this is bad. This is a bad podcast. Exact. Why did you have this trade pulled up in front of you? Um, anyways, but those are the, those are the main those are the main deals or, or the the main uh, pieces of the deal. It is just the uh, it is just the, the the trade. Oh, the Cavs are the other team in this. I'm trying to figure this out. I was like, yeah, there's a, I know there's another team. Is yeah, and so the Cavs kind of chucked in some picks um, to kind to kind of make things happen. And I think they ended up with um, I don't know. They ended up with like Torian Prince and uh, Dante Exum. So. Yeah, so the Cavs were basically just like the they had the picks to grease the wheels uh, to make this happen, and then um, I guess they they wanted to pick themselves up some. Uh, it's sort of weird. Like I'm trying to figure out why why does Cleveland in this deal? Like why did what did they because so they get they get Dante Exum and Torian Prince, okay, and they gave up a first round pick for that. And a second, a first and a second. That's so weird. Why would you give up a first and a second for Torin Prince and and Dante Exum? I don't know. Anyways, that's not the that's not the the main. I, I've wasted at least like three minutes. If anybody's still listening, I appreciate you you sitting through my confusion on what the heck the Cavs are doing. But um, anyways, the the. The, obviously, the meats of the trade hardened to the Nets is is the big thing, and I think then also the other thing you you, you think about here, if you're a Nuggets fan, is is Oladipo uh, to the Rockets, which I feel way better about. Let's, I guess, let's start there. Let's start with the Rockets. This is this is a good trade for the Nuggets from the perspective that the the Clint Capella, James Harden Rockets was a team that obviously couldn't get over the top in the West, but was a team that the Nuggets themselves could not figure out. And that team is now officially, uh, obviously Clint Capella has been, been gone for a bit, but now is officially completely dead with, with Harden gone as well. And, um, that's good for Denver. That was that was a team that they were probably never, they were probably never going to figure out the Clint Capella, uh, James Harden pick and roll because they with Jokic, uh, and and his his lack of lateral quickness and the ability of of Clint Capella to roll that the way he can and the ability of of James Harden as a pick and roll ball handler to both be a threat to pass and to score and to you know whether driving or shooting like. It it was something that the Nuggets would always struggle with. So that's really good that 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 that's gone. You know now you've got you've kind of got this this mishmash of talent, if you will, in in Houston. Which I'll say, I mean Houston's still got a lot of talent. I mean it's just it's just injured guys that you're just not sure if they can regain their previous form, right? Like you're not sure what John Wall is, but he's had some good games uh, when he's played for the Rockets thus far this season. You're not sure what Victor Oladipo is, but he's had some good games for the Pacers when he's played this season. You're not sure what DeMarcus Cousin is, but you know, there's still flashes of DeMarcus Cousins, the guy who was uh, an, an all-star, a perennial all-star and, and widely considered the best center in the league. So there's still a ton of talents. Eric Gordon is still on this team. There's still a ton of talent on this on this roster. It's just how do they make a gel? Can these guys regain some of their previous forms? If they could, you know, man, if you get if you get Victor Oladipo and and Demarcus Cousins and John Wall and they're at their heights, that's a super team, right? Like that's that's a, a team that's competing for a championship. But right now you just you just don't know what you got. So I mean, from a standpoint, I think there's still a, 
a, a talented team, and I think they, they, they may even come out of this um, sort of like the Nuggets came out of the Mellow trade where they were still like a playoff uh, team, not a team you maybe necessarily ever thought was going to win a championship, but certainly a team that was going to compete for playoff position. Uh, I can certainly see that from Houston. But they're not going to be the team that's going to be a thorn in the sides that the Nuggets are going to li- literally drop, intentionally lose games to avoid having to play in the playoffs. Like that's, that is gone. And so from that sense, uh, it's good. It's good for Denver. And I think Houston is sort of a team that right now is at least in the immediate future is somewhat in the rear view because they've, like I said, they got to figure out what they're going to do with this roster, what they want to keep, what they want to move, um, whether they're fully rebuilding or whether they're still trying to hunt, you know, playoff playoff appearances and thinking maybe we get lucky, we get the right piece, we could we could be right back there. You know, that that's something that's gonna take a little bit of time to figure out for them. So it'd be interesting to see what Houston does. Everything else obviously happens on the eastern side. Obviously it's great to have James Harden in the East. Yes, it does create a super team, quote unquote, uh, with Brooklyn, which is which is interesting because they, you know, they're gonna have to figure this out. And I, listen, if you're number one uh, reason for why this is not going to work in Brooklyn is, oh, there's only one ball. Let me tell you, every single time that a super team has been developed uh, in in this sort of fashion, every single time, the first quarter says, oh, there's only one ball. And guess what? Every single time they freaking figure it out, they usually win a championship. So, like, I'm not... I'm not going to buy into the idea that this team won't figure out how to share the ball any different than the Warriors when they had Durant or the Heat uh, with LeBron and Bosh and Wade or, you know, any any super team that's ever even even the Lakers team that uh, didn't win the championship. They lost to the Pistons when they were figuring, well, how are you going to get Kobe and Shaq and Carl Malone and Gary Payton to play? Well, they, they figured out how to get to the finals uh, just fine. So. If you think that this somehow is going to blow up in the face of the Brooklyn Nets and that they're not going to be competing to be a finals team, I am. Uh, I think you're sorely mistaken. Now there is some more. Uh, I think there's some more legit questions about. Well, where's James Harden at now? Can will he get himself back into shape? And is now he 100% serious? Can he just turn the switch so that it was clearly turned off? Uh, in Houston, my thoughts are probably yes. You know, a guy who plays at that level is uh, probably not. It's not like something he probably has to build himself up to being a good basketball player. I think that's just inherent in who he is at this point. Uh, Kyrie Irving is a little bit, uh, a little bit more interesting. You know, we hear we hear stories that he wasn't happy about them hiring Steve Nash. Which, which I guess makes sense when he said, "Yeah, there's not really going to be a coach." Um, Weird, and then you know, obviously everything is. Obviously, Kyrie right now is is trying to figure out uh, a bigger picture than than what is than what is going on with just basketball and making money. You know, there's obviously right now as a young man, I think, and, and a man who's empowered in a lot of ways. Um, Kyrie is probably. It seems like he's recognizing that, and he's he's trying to figure out. Hey, you know what? Maybe playing basketball isn't the best way to use my empowerment um, to make a difference in the world. That's that's my read 100% outside the situation, just speculating um, on what's going on with the guy like that. That would be my read is that, that, that Kyrie in, in a way it's, it's funny cause he's, in, he's still in his twenties. Um, but in a way he's like going through like a midlife crisis right now. Right. Like he's, he's starting to realize, Hey man, maybe like, you know, you know, obviously if you play in the NBA at the level that, that Kyrie Irving plays at the NBA, like your whole life is basketball and it has been basketball since basically the day you were old enough to pick up a basketball. Um, 
and maybe Kyrie's starting to figure out maybe there's more to life than just that, than than just basketball and money. And 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 if that's the case, more power to him. If he's skipping games because he just doesn't want to play and decides he wants to go party instead, um, and I'm not going to knock the guy too much for going to his sister's birthday party. Like, it's not like he wasn't like his new teammate just going out to strip clubs, right? Like, it was actually like a family thing and, and celebrating your sister's birthday and is your dad's birthday. Like, all right. I'm not going to knock a guy too much for that. Obviously, come on, dude, it's COVID. Like, we got to be safe with that. We got to figure these things out. But, you know, let's let's not paint it like the guy was out just getting drunk and wasted and partying, partying his life away. But if Kyrie is still, if, if the only reason he's missing jobs or missing games is because he just doesn't really feel like playing and he just wants to, you know, hang out. Well, like, come on, dude. Like, you get paid millions of dollars. Like, this this is this is business. You're you're very well compensated for it. Um you need to do your job. So I don't know that that to me is, is, is going to be an interesting, probably that's going to take a little bit more finessing um, because we, this is, I mean, this is kind of the MO with Kyrie with everywhere he's been. He, he had problems in Cleveland. He had problems in Boston. Now he's in Brooklyn. He's having problems here. Like at some point you got to stop looking at, well, you know, it was uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers are really poor run organization. And well, you know, Boston just wasn't the right fit for him. He started looking at it. It's like, oh, it's, it's Kyrie, man. Like this is, this is him. He's got he's got issues that he's got to work through on his on his end, and and that's what's what's causing um, his struggles right now. Like I do believe that. I'm not saying though that his issues aren't legitimate. I'm not saying that he's not um, totally deserving in, in in time to figure this out. What I am deciding is, what I am saying, man, is like if 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 you're not gonna figure it out, if you, if you're not gonna spend the time. If you're not spending this time right now to really get to the bottom of what's going on and what you need to be happy and whether or not that's still playing basketball or whatever it is, if you're not just using this time to figure that out and you're just using this time to just do whatever, then all right, like then now this is a waste and like you got to get it back together. Like there's like I'm never going to knock any person for taking time away from whatever they do um, to get their head right, to get themselves figured out, to, to understand who they are as a person and what they want to do um, with their future. But I will knock people who just want to take days off because they just don't really feel like playing basketball or going to work or whatever it may be. So hopefully that's not the case with Kyrie and he gets that figured out. Um, and and they get they get the the nets in the right direction. I guess I don't really care if the nets fail or not. To be honest, it would be nice to see uh, at least uh, a little bit of a shift from of power um, into the East. You know, I think I think Milwaukee is still a team who could beat the Lakers in a in a seven game series um, if things go right. I didn't know there's another team in the East that I could say that about. I think now with Brooklyn, you've probably got that second team who could. You could probably count on being able to beat the Lakers uh, in a seven-game series. Not every time, but, you know, it's let, let, let's just be honest. The Miami Heat are beating the Los Angeles Lakers in a seven-game series maybe like two times out of ten, right? So, like, the, whereas this Brooklyn Nets team, it might be like four times out of ten. You know, it's, it's probably a lot. A lot closer. All right, let's bring it back to the Denver Nuggets here down. Let's uh, to get towards the back end of our show. So Nuggets got three games this week against two teams. They start out against Oklahoma City. This will wrap up their homestand before they head out on a pretty decent road trip. Um, and they start out that road trip in Phoenix with two games against the Suns there. So starting with the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, surprisingly better record than the Nuggets right now. Oklahoma six and six. Nuggets six and seven. Uh, the Thunder. 
just one of those teams that we continue to think is going to finally fall off and be done. And they, and they just refuse to do so right now. This year you thought for sure would be the year they would finally fall off and not be a very good team. But now they've won like four of their last five. So they, they're right at six and six. Um, and, and, and a 500 team. I don't think it holds. I think I think Oklahoma City is definitely blottery bound. Is probably a top 10 uh, draft pick this year. But they've played well enough early on. Um, so so think about that, I guess, Nuggets fans, when you're starting to freak out about the start. Uh, if you believe that the Nuggets are actually going to be a team, uh, if you believe based on the record that the Nuggets are, are a team who's not going to make the playoffs or is going to have to fight to make the playoffs, then you also believe by their record that the the Oklahoma City Thunder are a legitimate playoff contender. Um, and I don't think they are. But you are what your record says you are. And so, so right now they are. And, and it's been Shea Gilgis Alexander has been uh, the catalyst for this team. I, I, with all due respect to the rest of the Oklahoma City Thunder, he's the only player who's really any good. I mean, Lou Dort is, is a really good defender, right? Lou Dort is that, that grindy, like, tough def- defensive guy that every team needs, that, that, that every championship team has even. Um, but come on. He's Lou Dort. Uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander is the only good player on this team. He really is. The rest of this, the rest of this roster, I, in my eyes, is just. I mean, there's a bunch of dudes on this team. I don't even know who they are, and it's just like, how have they won six games? You know, that's the that's the thing that I, uh, I sometimes really struggle to figure out. It's like, how is this team winning games when when this is the group they're trotting out there? Because when you remember, I mean, they traded Stephen Adams, right? They Chris Paul is gone. Uh, they don't have uh, obviously the days of Russell Westbrook are, are are long gone. Like this is this 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 Thunder team is just there's. There's just nobody on this roster, and yet somehow, you know, somehow they're still finding they're still finding ways to win. And then maybe I'm not giving Lou Dort enough credit. You know, maybe the guy is starting to figure it out a little bit more on offense um, this season. He's he's up to he's up to almost averaging 13 points a game, uh, and he's shooting 43 percent from three. So uh, if that's the case, then yeah, all right, I'll take it back. You got two good players on on Oklahoma City because Lou, Lou, if he shoots forty three percent from three, he's a legit three and D type of guy. Um, and I really believe Shea Gilgis Alexander is the type of guy who could become an all star uh, in this league. The rest of this roster, you know, it's weird. It's, I mean, you know, you've got a mixture of some young guys and and then just a bunch of like tenth, eleventh role players. You know that that are playing that are either your starters or your your six through ten guys. Uh, but you know, I mean, when you have Theo Maladon and Mike Miscala and, and Hamadou Diallo, like these are guys, right? These are the guys who play uh, Kenrick Williams. They, these are the guys who play at the very back end of of rosters, and yet, yet here they are playing big minutes um, for for the Thunder. So this is a game the Nuggets obviously need to get back uh, back right. You got to watch out, Oklahoma City, for whatever reason, has been really good on the road. They've they've been terrible at home but they're really good on the road. Um, so don't think they're going to be a team you can just walk walk over, but uh, this is a team you should just walk over, essentially. Like, they they should be, again, uh, I've, you know, you, I've said what I've said about Gary Harris, um, and you should probably be not counting on him to sh- stop Shea entirely, but if you can at least make Shea work, uh, and even if you let Shea score 30 points on you, like, just, just don't let anyone else you know, really kill you. And this, this Oklahoma city thunder teams, uh, a team you could be and working to their, the nuggets advantage and coach Malone's advantage. 
they're going to play small. They don't they don't have a lot in the way of size uh, themselves. I think like basically Mike Muscala is really the only legit center um, on the roster. Then and he comes off the bench, you know. So they're they're bringing out uh, they're bringing out Darius Baisley and uh, who says Isaiah Roby is the other one. Yeah, Isaiah Roby is the other guy that they're bringing off. I mean, those are their two. Um, bigs, if you will, and those guys are like six eight, six nine. So there's there's certainly a lot of uh opportunity to let your small lineup do what they do and and you're probably not gonna get hurt too much of it. But I'll go bring it back. There's also a lot of opportunity to uh dictate your length and get a guy like Bull Bull some more minutes and see what he can do there. So just depends on the way coach wants to approach it. All right, and then to wrap up the show, the Nuggets will uh, get the Phoenix Suns two times here this week. Both games in Phoenix, sort of that weird kind of COVID thing where you stay in the same city and play uh, the same team multiple times. That is going to be the case for the Denver Nuggets this week. They will, like I said, they go down to Phoenix. They're going to play the Suns um, twice. We think maybe I don't know. The weird thing about the Suns is like they haven't played. Their last three games have been postponed because there's the whole contract tracing thing and you know the the COVID craziness and they're um, not able to field the full roster. So who knows who the Nuggets will play uh, with this Phoenix team? As far as I know, they are playing today though. They have a game uh, on MLK Day today and they are going to. Uh, play that and then they have another game at Houston before they get Denver on the weekend so you know as far as I know there they, everybody should be probably back this is also I think the important time to know is probably when you might be getting Michael Porter Jr. back uh, if you're the Denver Nuggets which is going to be good they can certainly I think they certainly could use his help um, right now it's going to be though uh, it could be, a, I don't know, I guess it could be a really weird game or it could be just a regular standard game. I have no idea right now. It's so hard to tell what's going on with Phoenix and then, you know, obviously the whole world in general. But uh, assuming that it's a pretty standard game and the Nuggets are getting MPJ back, I really do look at that sort of small forward position as, as kind of the marquee matchup or the key matchup um, with this team. You're obviously going to see what you can do against Devin Booker uh, and try and make things as difficult for him. As possible, you're going to have the Chris Paul against Jamal Murray matchup, which is always going to be fun to watch. You're going to have Jokic against Aiton, which should work out well for Jokic because Aiton doesn't really defend. Um, and I think Jokic is pretty much dominated on that end, but at the same time, has struggled to defend Aiton as well. So uh, a lot of a lot of back and forth there. But when you look at that small forward position, I mean, Mikhail Bridges is really starting to come into his own this season and is really kind of showing that he can be, you know, more than just like a three and D role player, right? Like that he's a guy you can legit count on for scoring, particularly to be a guy who's going to space the floor and be great outside shooting for you as well as still be able to play that D. So he is like a three and D guy, but he's like reaching that really like pinnacle level of a three and D guy, the type of guy who gets paid 20, 25 million dollars a year. Um, when it's time for his contract to be renewed because he's that good of a 3 and D type of player. Uh, Jeremy Grant. I mean, that would be, uh, I think, a prime example of, of where Mikhail Bridges is, is is headed right now. So that's something that the Nuggets are going to have to, uh, they're going to have to be very conscious of. They're going to have to, I think, if I look at like, who's the one guy that you're not thinking of who's going to end up beating you and end up killing your team? To me, it's like, yeah, you'll end up letting Mikel Bridges score like 29 points on you because he goes seven and nine from three or something like that. That's the, the what I really get concerned with. So 
hopefully, I think hopefully they've got Michael Porter Jr. back. I think he helps a lot there just because of the length. Uh, you know, I, I'm very fond of saying I, I think Michael Porter Jr. is the worst defender in the league, and I, and I think that's true. But if nothing else, he does have the length to bother guys, um, shooters, tall shooters uh, from the perimeter. Not a lot of people can do that. MPJ is one of the ones who can with his length. So, and then and hopefully he can also, you know, when, when you know, Chris Paul is, is given Jamal Murray the business and, and you're back to have maybe having a, a Jokic one man show. Well, and then maybe you've got Michael Porter Jr. Um, there to help you out and kind of carry low. Cause if you remember early in the season when Mike was playing, it wasn't really as much Jokic and Murray that were getting wins for the team. It was when you'd had Jokic and Porter playing at the top of their game, that those were the games the Nuggets were winning. So <clears throat> hopefully that's not that they won very many. I think they only won one game uh, when Mike was playing, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, the the Nuggets will that that should be a good boost, and they need to continue to start figuring out to, how to integrate him into their team because I think it's become painfully obvious at the beginning of the season. Like they need they need to figure out how to get that third guy on offense because they just they just can't. They they Will Barton hasn't been there, Gary Harris hasn't been there, Paul Millsap has had some decent games, but he's clearly not you know the the player he was five years ago. And then I guess got to find that third guy on offense, and it's got to be Mike. And, and and I think it will. I don't think anybody's worried about it being Mike. It's just he's just got to get on the court. So hopefully he gets back for this Phoenix series. And I think if he does, the Nuggets should be in pretty good shape. It's it's a weird thing. I don't know. I don't know how you. It'd be an interesting game to to see. Oh, it'd be interesting to see what the the betting lines are like on this. Because how do you how do you really set lines on back to back games? It's back to back, but it's against the same team. And there's no travel for either team. And there's no real, really no home court advantage because there's no fans in the stands. So it's a bit different scenario from your typical back-to-back. But uh, my assumption would be that it's a split. I guess that's that's what I'm going if you're asking what's what Zach Mikosh's uh, top-notch betting advice. Bet the split. I think the Nuggets will get one and maybe not the other. Um, and hopefully they pick up this game against Oklahoma City. And so we're at least 2-1. and one. And back to 500 at the end of the week, because uh, it gets it gets tough, man. From here on out, like the the Nuggets, uh, they're they're not in a, they're not in the worst spot ever, right? There's still a ton of games to be played. We're only about maybe a, a little bit more in a seventh through the season, but we are at a point where it's like, okay, the Nuggets need uh, to get going because this the the easy part that was in the front hat portion of this this first half schedule that they've released is done like this when you go and you head uh to phoenix you are heading out on a road trip and you're not going to be back i don't think until the end of january uh yeah you're you're very net your first game back home after this you're going to play oklahoma city home on the 19th you won't be back home again until the 31st um to play Utah and then you play Detroit and then you're back on the road for two more games. And then you come home and you've got Milwaukee and Cleveland in that homestand four game homestand. And then you're on another road trip for four games then home for two games on another four game road trips. So like you, the Nuggets are about to hit a point. I mean, if I could do the counting real quick, I think they've got uh 15. They're about to hit a stretch of 15 road games versus uh, eight home games. So, basically two two road games for for every home game it's it's gonna be tough and, and there's there's even those home games like you got a home game against milwaukee you got a home game uh against the lakers you got a home game against the jazz you got a home game against the blazers like there's not 
a ton of walk push over teams um, with your home games and your road games are. T- I mean, this Phoenix twice, then Dallas, then Miami, and in San Antonio. That's that's a bear of a road trip. Uh, so so Denver is is certainly got the task ahead of them um, now. So they 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 need to they need to win this game against Oklahoma City. They need to split with Phoenix and get themselves some momentum heading into what's going to be a really tough um, march to to the to the all-star break and because if they don't you know we could be at the all-star break and look at a team who's sitting seven eight nine ten in the standings so hopefully they can get this ship righted because they are they are officially out of time all right we are going to we are officially out of time as well so we are going to go ahead and wrap it right there make sure you guys are following us on twitter i'm at zach nikosh gordon is at g money nugs we're also on at denver stiffs uh also on twitter and then on instagram at the denver stiffs make sure you're subscribing to our youtube channel as well as to our podcast feed it is the denver stiffs podcast network make sure you're looking that up if you are you will find the pickaxe podcast nuggets numbers the dig uh chicken nuggets garbage takes so many the denver stiff show so many good shows on the on the denver stiffs podcast network it's the only place that's going to give you uh that many unique shows about the denver nuggets so make sure you guys are subscribing and you will hit all those shows will hit your podcast feed wherever you get it as soon as they are released and if you really really like us feel free to give us that rating um and leave a review we always appreciate that as well all right everybody with that we will We'll talk to you next week.